Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest is the author of the... Today's guest earned his MFA in creative writing from Rutgers University Camden. He is an assistant features editor at The Rumpus, and his work has been featured in The Sun Magazine, Joyland Magazine, The Rumpus, Canapult, and elsewhere. His debut memoir, The In-Betweens, is out now. Please welcome Devon Loeb. Hey, how are you doing today? Great, Adam. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's so nice uh, to be on this podcast. You have so yeah. many just amazing writers uh, featured in, in the podcast, and I'm just I'm just so happy to to be included and be able to celebrate my work with the work of so many others oh for sure i uh got your book like a little before publication day and like i knew i wanted it and so like i was like i'm just gonna read it as soon as as quick as possible and i'm glad i did it It really moved me um i loved hearing your story and i can't wait for more readers to discover you Thank you. Thank you. No, no greater compliment. <laughs> For sure. One thing I, I don't want to talk about this too much, but, uh, you know, you're a teacher. Um, what, what level like, uh, elementary high school. Yeah. Uh, so I teach high school. I teach creative cool. writing. Wow. Um, but I also teach, I, I teach at the college level too. So I awesome. teach journalism and creative yeah. writing at the college level. So I get to amazing. See well, I, I, I really, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of writers, of course, they're teaching at the college level. That's like the writing path but the fact that you're like in the high school that I that I really appreciate that I taught high school literature for two years I was really bad at it I was too (laughs) immature too dumb and I got out of it but um I wouldn't be where I am today without teachers so I just wanted to thank you before we hop into things it it Um, feels like constant mentorship I mean mm -hmm. sometimes it it works sometimes it doesn't but it just feels like I'm always I'm always in the throes to help help kids in whatever way that I can for sure and like I think you don't even know when you're actually connecting with them because they might just be a punk kid who's ignoring you, getting into trouble all the time. And then like six, seven, eight, ten years later, they're like, you know, yeah. Mr. Loeb really, you know, he got never, to me. You, you really never know. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, cool. But we're here to talk about your uh, debut book, uh, The In-Betweens. Tell readers a little bit about it. It's it's also subtitled like a lyrical memoir, not just a memoir. So talk about the the memoir. Sure. Talk about everything about it. Yeah. So um, I'm really enjoying writing uh, mixed genre. I mean, in very in, in 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 a lot of ways, this is a piece of creative nonfiction, a memoir, a chronological narrative. But in so many ways, it's not. Uh, I try to write it in a way where sometimes you can't tell what's poetry. Um, what's prose, and and really trying to trust that the form and the structure would work. Uh, so a lot of times when you're reading reading the memoir, you know y- you can pick it up and put it down. It reads as a chronological arc, like I mentioned before. But each essay, in its way, in, in its own way, can stand on its own, um, which was hard to build context within individual mm-hmm. pieces, but also knowing that they had little markers to fit into the overall arc. So. There is such a mix of, of 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 prose and lyricism here, and I'm I'm just 
so happy that people found it that they could resonate to not only my story, um, but also to the, the the structure that that I I trusted would work. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really interested in work that that really blends and bends genres. Yeah, I I love that, and I'll I'll get into that after your reading. But I I like to just get into the reading as quickly as possible on these. Um, what will you be reading for us today from the in between? Sure. So uh, I I just because it's the title, I have a piece called In Between Sirens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm, I think about like when I'm teaching, I used to teach AP Lang when I'm teaching about, uh, rhetoric and writer's choice. And, and in this piece, I'm going to keep repeating the in-betweens are the in-betweens are in a way that it makes the essay so dense because I want the reader to feel as uncomfortable as a narrator does. I want the reader to feel out of space almost fearful because the piece is about fear about about a black body being um investigated by police um in a way that 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 is frightening um and and so this yeah it's it's really it's it's um you know it's just one page it's one paragraph i learned so much of that just from reading jamaica kincaid um i always teach a girl which in in some ways this is uh, clearly different but in some ways it's not um and it's just trusting the poetic muscle to stretch to stretch that far and so um if anyone has a copy if you're reading this <laughs> i'm on page 246 uh 246 the in-betweens are like waiting for something to happen like flashes of red and blue and sirens pulsing through my car The in-betweens are when the police officer is about to step to my window, when I am watching him from the rear view mirror and unsure about what will happen next. The in-betweens are the statements my mother told me to say, to call call him sir or her ma'am, to be polite, to be well-mannered. The in-betweens are the second it'll take me to open my glove compartment for my paperwork and then move my hands to the steering wheel, keeping my hands visible. The in-betweens are the moments after, the moments when my stomach is completely buoyant and my eyes are blurry from tracking the officer and the patrol lights car, the patrol lights, the patrol car's lights. The in-betweens are when the flashlight is sizzling on the back of my neck, but I kept the speed limit. My seatbelt was fastened. I used my right blinker when pulling over. My vehicle was in good standing. I didn't drink or smoke weed, and the friends in the back of my car didn't either. And we were just coming home from dinner and driving home back from campus and shut the hell up. Don't say anything is what I tell myself, because the in-betweens are when the police officer knocks on my window with the back of his flashlight, but I'm too afraid to look. The in-betweens are how long it takes for my window to lower and when he tells me to step outside the vehicle to exit slow, to keep my hands where he can see them, to tell him my name and hand over my license. The in-betweens are my friend's thoughts, those black and brown boys in the back seat whose faces are shined on by the other police officer around the rear with his flashlight, the officer inspecting my car, targeting the lights beam on my friends, whom he is also instructed to lower their windows, asking them their names, Terrence, but then the police officer says Tyrone, and Terrence says Terrence, and then the police officer pans to the face next to Terrence and asks the same question. The in-betweens are the steps I will take outside my vehicle, one foot over the other, and the time it takes for me to count backwards, starting from 72 to 1. The in-betweens are the breaks between each syllable in my name when the police officer reads my name back to me from my license, how he asks me if I really am D-A-V-O-N, 
but he doesn't attempt to pronounce it right. And how he then checks my face against the face on the license with the flashlight that he hasn't let go of. And how I rest on the hood of my car and my heart is rising. And how I didn't do anything wrong and I know it, but I tell myself to shut the hell up. The in-betweens are the things I don't say because I know exactly why he pulled me over. How he said there'd been a string of burglaries in the neighborhood where we were driving and how we look suspicious and how I am not a bit surprised. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, well, I just want to dive into your history more. I know it's like touched upon in the book and it's a memoir. Um, and not like what more about the writing, your writing history. What got you into writing? Uh, so so um, I remember as a kid, I was so into hip hop and rap. I, I used to like, you know, I used to break dance and I, mm. I have an essay about that in the book, but also it was published at, at Catapult Magazine. But um, for me, like hip hop, what those were my literary heroes, right? Those are the people that I looked up to as a kid because mm -hmm. I, I didn't start reading until late. Um, so... I was huge into Pac as a kid, into Tupac, and I remember buying his poetry book, A Rose That Grew From Concrete. And I remember realizing that poetry and music, that they were really hand in hand. And as a kid, I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. So I I read that book and I fell in love. I fell in love with poetry. And um, I wrote bad poetry for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, and eventually realized uh through through doing my mfa that i i love narrative poetry which led me into writing memoir yeah i i feel like we all wrote bad po bad poetry <laughs> bad rap bad pop songs um even if we weren't musicians you know um it's, it's accessible yeah it, it really is i mean i think um i like i was I mean, now if people look at me, they're like, oh, you know, in indie hipster folk guy. But I played basketball. I played, yeah. I hung out, with, you know, I was in in junior high and high school. I like hung out with people who only listened to rap. Um, and like, that was a big part of my life. And like, it was so interesting listening to it as like a white suburban kid who, I mean, I know like that's accessible Eminem, the DC boys. Yeah. But it's so interesting, like, like being introduced to parts of culture that I wasn't I had no clue about like listening to Outcast. yeah as a you know I remember um, where I was when I listened to Stank on you <laughs> yeah <laughs> tell me about that actually a little that, yeah tell because I mean Outcast, I think is probably the biggest musical export of America I think they're one of the most important musical acts of all time so tell me about Stank on you Oh, so I, you know, it's funny. I I write about this. I had a buddy growing up who was white, and um, he, him and I loved hip hop. We loved basketball, and he used to like stay at my house all the time. And I used to go to his house, but like, his parents were like a little racist. His dad mm. was, and what I didn't understand as a kid is how like I could hear his family say those things, but still treat me with love, mm. and how they felt like there was some distinction between what people of color were and and you know and again in the book it, it it talks about that but that that juxtaposition i was like yo he's got he's got more rap albums than i do how can you say these things and be a lover of black culture mm -hmm. and 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 so growing up as much as i loved hip-hop culture I, I grew up in a culture where we didn't have that mm -hmm. and and sort of what those constant cruxes were like of, of like just combating with 
um, a culture that didn't reflect the culture at home that, yeah. that I grew up. Yeah, a lot of your book deals with obviously deals with that about you know moving between two worlds, moving between no worlds that really reflect who you are. Um, like what artists other like um or like writers once you started getting into writing what writers did you connect with once you started like diving into it yeah, yeah. so um ross gay is one of my favorite one of my favorite poets and, I, and i've said this before that i read more poetry when writing this book mm-hmm. than i did memoir um which i almost feel like guilty saying that um patrick rasal so patrick rasal was was my one of my professors but as a as a filipino writer um, he grew up in in Metuchen, New Jersey, and and how he, in many ways, felt in between as a person of color. Mm-hmm. And so, when I got introduced to his work, and then and then Pat introduced me to Ross Gay, is that I I felt this 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 in between spaces and how you could write about place, how you could write about where you grew up with absolute love, but also critique. And that's really what I'm after in so much of this book is that I, I love where I grew up. I teach in the community in which I grew up in, but okay. it's also very much um, there. Are very, there, are, there are many problems uh, mm-hmm. that, that that I faced, and that you know communities like the ones that I live in and teach in face. Is poetry what you read most of now? I mean, outside of writing this book, or like what what form <laughs> do you read? Um, so I'm I'm really trying to. There's so many great poetry books uh, mm-hmm. coming out, but. I have been gravitating a little bit more um, to to some fiction. Yeah, um, I'm really excited for uh, brothers and sisters going to a forest. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Richard Marabella. Really excited about that book. Um, Wolfish by Erica Berry. I'm really excited about yeah. reading that. So so now that I, I'm I play a role in the literary community as an editor as a rumpus is is that I'm trying to do my due diligence and read the people mm-hmm. read my peers. Yeah. Read, read and celebrate their work um and that's something that I'm, I'm super excited about yeah for sure and i think like what erica did in wolfish i had an excerpt of of it on the day beautiful website mm-hmm. and like what you did and and there's a few other writers this year where it's you're taking something familiar like a traditional nonfiction book a traditional memoir and really flipping it and and injecting new life into it on the writing sense which i think like 2023 is off to a banger start of like if yeah. if people want to study good writing it's out there already with like you and, and thank and, you yeah and that, like i just i have been really thinking about this I'm, I'm trying to put a kind of like this craft essay together about the book but like as a person of color writing the story of my life and my my family's lives like i can't tell you a chronological arc because because black people don't have it Mm-hmm. Right. Black Americans, we don't have this chronological arc from from slavery to now. We don't. Our history isn't neat mm-hmm. and accessible. So the memoir should reflect that, it, like the fact that I can't access those memories and those histories. And and like I'm I'm after I'm after accomplishing that, that honesty that I don't have the whole story. So like I shouldn't my writing shouldn't reflect that. I'm going to take a pause to look something up real quick. This will all be edited out. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I got the name right, which is embarrassing because it was a podcast guest. Oh, okay. Um, have you heard of or read In the Upper Country? It came out earlier this year by Kai Thomas. I have- Kai Thomas. Oh, so it, yeah, it came out in January. It's like a historical fiction set in Canada at the end of the Underground Railroad. And it's it, it deals a lot about like um, 
race and place and identity in a time where like what you're talking about it's like people think about like black history as the civil war slavery and then nothing until the civil rights movement which is 100 years apart right and i and i just think he did a really good job of writing a historical fiction about the black community during a time that not like right after you know not many people are thinking about um yeah anyway i just want to put that on your radar like it's not a neat narrative Mm -hmm. because because so many of us don't have it yeah yeah um so you mentioned a few books that you were interested in reading um and books and books of poetry that you read what else is just on your radar uh authors that you know or it's a wide open question. What's on yeah. your mind? Um, so I want actually, um, I'm really interested in in Maggie Smith's new memoir, just because like she's a poet and and she's writing memoir. And and um, I for the life of me, I know like in my head, I can see the cover of the book, but I can't like I, I can't think of the name of it. Um, but I'm just really interested to see how she's translated her poetic voice to prose. Um, because like many of us, I love Maggie Smith's work and I, I just like, I want to see how she did it, you know, because I'm, I, that's what I tried to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you could make this place beautiful yes. was the yeah. name of the title out in April. Yeah, definitely. Um, see like that wasn't even on my radar because again, I'm so focused on debuts, but right. I, I do try to read like 10 to 12 like you know established authors because i don't want to miss good writing still Um, and then um taylor bias um i think i'm saying her last name right uh she has i done clicked my heels three times it's coming out of a soft skull um and that's i'm so excited for her poetry book i always teach a piece that she's written um that she wrote at uh baron magazine called front porch and she's she's really one of my favorite poets right now i just i just love her work Thank you so much to Devon for joining the Day Beautiful First Taste reading series to read from the in-betweens. You can find him on Twitter at Loeb Devon and on his website at devonloeb.com. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.